Hello everyone, today we get to the part that is a really a sad part in the history of the Church of Japan during this time. And it will be the conclusion of our part here of uh, during the Jesuits and the, the Catholic work in Japan. So this is the section of time from, from after Iyasu until the last part of the Edo era. So in spite of the anti-Christian edict and in spite of the persecutions, just the Jesuits reported 2,000 baptisms a year between 1617 and 1621. Remember the anti-Christian edict came out in 1614, but still 2,000 Baptists per year just in the Jesuits. And then there were the Franciscans and the Dominicans and, August and Augustinians. So it was amazing. The outlying areas were easier. So they said that some of the Christians from, the, from Kyushu were, were exiled way up in Aomori, you know, the, the most northern part of Honshu. And so there and other places in northern parts of Japan, there was more freedom because the Bakfu wasn't quite so much in control yet or so active. And so numbers of Christians increased, especially in those areas. And even some new Franciscan missionaries came in to work in those areas, obviously undercover you know, with the other trade people. After 1614, the Gonin-gumin system began to be put in place and eventually was enforced nationwide. All Japanese families were forcefully put into neighborhood groups of five families. Sometimes, maybe in the countryside, I, I read that it could have been ten families, but anyway, this was this known as the Gonin-gumi, and I believe that this really created a huge barrier to the gospel to this day. And this is because Imagine the whole country being divided into groups of five families. All five families had to register at the same Buddhist temple. And if any Christian or any crime was discovered among any single person of any one of those five families, all five families would be, would be punished. And so this means amazing um, surveillance between each other. And this whole thing of Japanese being so cautious about you know, don't be meiwaku, don't cause and be, don't be a nuisance, and always looking out for other people, and and like they say that even in elementary schools on up, you know, in Japan, that everyone is put into groups, you know, and and make decisions in groups, and this whole group thinking, and and the idea that they say in Japanese, derukui gautareru, which is knock down the peg which sticks out, you know, everyone has to be the same. This thing of conformity and don't make any waves, keep the peace. This thing is, is really strong in the Japanese psyche. And some people believe that because of this, because Tokugawa government, beginning with Ieyasu, enforced this, this Goningumi, that even the, the Nikko, you know, which is a beautiful shrine and beautiful nature around there, but it was, you know, prepared as to, to enshrine Takugawa Iyasu as a god. And so many Christians believe that there's a lot of spiritual oppression in that place. And it's, it's a huge place, and, and it's, it, but it's really um, spiritual war, warfare, I think, is there. But anyway, this has a, had a huge infect, influence, I think, on the Japanese psyche. And of course, the Buddhist priests also were involved in that. You know, they had to report if any suspicious activity of any possible Christian, they were required to report to the, to the government. So they worked also like spies and agents of the government. 
So Fujita writes how the Christian confraria or the Christian cells were developed from about 1000, about 1560. And then the cells, the, 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 the Japanese goningumi, of course, especially were developed, you know, more completely solid, like almost like an extended family as well. And you even wonder if maybe the government was copying the Christian cells, you know. It's very, very interesting. One example of a covert Christian cell was the Confraria of St. Joseph, which was formed during the persecution in Arima, which we saw before. Now this is very fascinating. It was made up of children younger than 15 years of age who made the following pledge in writing. I thought this was so significant that I wanted to write it out. Even if our nails and teeth may be plucked out, our bodies may be tortured by water and burnt with fire, we will never abandon the teachings of Christ, which we have decided to believe in. Boy, it makes me want to cry almost again. Just to imagine these are all 15 or younger. Amazing faith, you know, that we will never. And they did, a lot of the Christians did have nails, you know, their, their, their fingernails plucked out and their teeth uh, plucked out. I mean, it was just horrible torture that went on later on. The use of fumier also became to be used up from about 1620. And this is like a, you can see how worn this is, but people had to trample on this image of like, this is Jesus crucified, or was it Mary and, or, and Jesus, um, uh, Mary and the child Jesus. They had to trample on this plaque-like and to denounce their faith. And actually this was very effective because many Catholics who feigned becoming that they went back to be Buddhist, they were only doing it to, to save their lives or to prevent, you know, torture, which is unfortunate. But of course, in this case, you know, a person can understand, humanly speaking, of course, but they, a lot of them feigned just going back to Buddhism. But when it came to like to be forced to stomp on Jesus, you know, on the cross, they, you know, just a lot of them couldn't do it. And so therefore they, they would discover a lot of these hidden Christians. Iyasu's son, Hidetada, and his grandson, Iemitsu, became increasingly violent and cruel to Christians. They say Iemitsu, he had a much longer reign, but he was just ridiculously cruel. They also completely closed the country to, other than the, to, any, to all other than the Dutch, and then only at the man-made island port of Dejima in Nagasaki Bay. Although the Chinese were able to continue also doing their trade as well. Iemitsu's paranoia. Iemitsu got to the point that he was just so paranoia that, that Japan would be invaded by foreigners. And they, they talk about they showing him a map and how these huge countries and he was, oh, I wish that, you know, we had never allowed them in, you know. But anyway, he got to be very paranoia and, and amazingly cruel. We could call him maybe the Nero of Japan. In 1619, 55 Christians were burned alive in Kyoto. In 1622, 55 in Nagasaki, including a Euro nine European priests. When Iemitsu became the shogun in 1623, he began killing Christians in Edo, and it's said that more than 300 died. Karen, a Dutch trader living in Hirado, way down there in Kyushu, gave a first-hand report, and this is very interesting because Fujita mentions that this is a Dutch, a Protestant, and, you know, he's not trying to glorify anything, so he would figure that this would be a very honest report. And this is what he wrote. He wrote that 
Christians were first beheaded and then crucified. It seems to us quite a serious event, but they died with satisfaction, singing, laughing, and rejoicing. It's amazing. Caron then writes that the authorities wanted to change this rejoicing, so they began to burn them alive and kill the few thousand this way. Then he goes on. Then he writes that they got more and more gruesome in their tortures. They slowly killing with, slowly killing with burning water, taking two or three days, stripping girls and women in public and putting them in wooden tubs filled with hundreds of snakes, and like putting pipes through people and torching children in front of their parents. The worst one was like hanging a person upside down with their head in a pit. One girl lasted 14 days. They say that this was the most gruesome. Karen writes that, that he had talked with different ones that had that and that there was no comparison. It's just the worst torture of all when they would be hung upside down and that this was just really cruel and terrible, terrible torture. That they would, um, they would slice sometimes, make a slit, so that blood would slowly come out and they would stay unconscious until the end, but it was just unbearable pain. Drummond writes that the maximum figure for the number of martyrs from 1614 to 1637, of course there were many more later, also there were a lot more later also, is between 5,000 and 6,000. But he goes on, this is very significant, so I, I went ahead and, and, and wrote this all out, but Drummond writes, this number, this is a quote, this number constituted perhaps 2% of the whole, but probably neither the brutality of the methods employed nor the heroic constancy of the victims has ever been exceeded in the sad history of such events in all human history. Of course, the number, of course, this is talking about Christians. Obviously, during the Holocaust, a lot more Jews were killed, but the sadistic cruelty of these punishment ways and everything as far as Christians, this is, they think, is the worst. And I had read previously also that this was the worst and longest persecution of all Christian history. Because during the Roman Empire, even though it was long, some Roman emperors were, were you know, uh, persecuted and some didn't, as often now. So now his quote continues, The proportion of martyrs in comparison with the total Christian population is probably greater than that of any other period or place in the history of the church, including in the Roman Empire. So this is very, very significant in church history. Now we're going to look a little bit at the Shimabara Revolt, which was from December of 1637 to April of 1638. Shimabara and Amakusa were heavily Christian fiefs where Christian daimyo had been replaced by strongly anti-Christian daimyo. So they were almost everyone are Christians, and the Christian daimyo, of course, had really supported the Christians there and everything, but they were, of course, killed or whatever, and, and other anti-Christian daimyos were put in. And these daimyo, just both of these daimyo, treated the peasants very cruelly with outrageous taxation, making the economic situation unbearable. It was just really terrible. Evidently, there was a famine. This shows, actually, then, the place where the Christians finally all gathered together it's kind of blurred, but it's, this is the remains, the ruins of the fortress, the Hada fortress, which we're going to talk about now. Most sources say about 37,000, including thousands of women and children, were beheaded. What happened was that the, the Christians, there was one talk about was that the, they say that the final little incident which sparked the revolt was that 
a, a well-known farmer's daughter was stripped naked and burnt with tor flaming torches by a tax collector. And then he killed the tax collector and, and then they started the revolt. It slowly spread throughout these two uh, provinces. And then uh, just thousands started, started gathering. And of course, most of them were all people who, who had been Christians or were still, you know, Christians, but were just faking as Buddhists. And so then they started making a big rally, rally against it because the economic situation was just unbearable. And so then they all got together in this, in this uh, place, which we just showed here previously, the Hara Castle here, which was surrounded by water on, on three sides, evidently. And, and they took a stand there. And the government, they, initially they had some successes. And then they, uh, the government, they brought altogether, all I think, like 150,000 troops or 120,000. And they were surrounded there. And, and they held out like for about 90 days. But finally then, they were, and in the end, they said that all were beheaded. And anywhere between 27,000 to 37,000 were beheaded. And of course, this was the largest massacre of Christians because of this revolt. This revolt was caused primarily by economic oppression and cruel treatment. But out of desperation, they also had a Christian aspirations. And they used Christian flags, and they, they actually ended up using this young guy, in Chido, I think they called him, but he was like only like 16 from a samurai family. He was like 16 or 17. He became like the main leader, but there were a lot of other samurai, old samurai and others that were experienced fighters. And they did amazingly well against the government. But of course, the Shogun Yemitsu and the Bakufu considered this an attempt to take over the nation and became even more intense in the goal to totally eradicate all Christians. It's interesting because there were no priests there and of course the, the priests had always told the people not to use force in the resistance you know but of course out of desperation this all happened and of course it made things in the end far worse for everybody else too then. This inquisitor Inoue and Fehera also names of characters in the movie Silence. The movie Silence I saw it and it's very very sad. I don't agree with Endo Shusaku's conclusion is that the, that the tree of Christianity cannot grow in the swamp of Japan. I think that's very unbiblical and also unrealistic because the tree of Christianity grew beautifully in Japan. It was just this political maneuverings and this greedy uh, and political uh, me reasons and misunderstandings that, of course, caused you know, them to do this horrible persecution. But actually, the church was really growing amazingly. But in the movie, of course, these guys also come out. But Inoue was very shrewd and tried to use psychological tactics and torture to get Christians to recant. Because so many Christians were wanting to, to die for Jesus. And so many, like, other Christians, you know, because they would die, like, even the jailers would be Christians, become Christians. And and other people were becoming Christians because they saw the courage of the martyrs. And so they, he was trying to do it a different way to try to get the top people be, to, 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 be, to uh, you know, give in and then to demoralize the rest of the Christians. So he used a lot of psychological tactics, even acting real kindly to them and everything to, you know, to force and torture too, though, of course. And then soon after Fejeda was a Jesuit priest 
who became the top leader of the Jesuits in Japan, just like before, you know, like Cabral and, and uh, others had become, Coelho had become before. But in Japan, he was arrested in 1632 and was the first padre that Inoue managed to get to apostatize. Now, this was a very big blow, of course, to the Christians, and it shocked Catholic Europe. They couldn't believe that the leader of the whole Jesuit work in Japan, you know, probably their, one of their primary, if not the primary mission work. And so this just really shocked Japan, the Christian, you know, the Catholic Europe. And then one group of 34 priests, Jesuit priests were sent from Lisbon in 1635 to make amends with their own blood. Imagine, 34 Jesuit priests to make amends with their own blood for the sin of their colleague. The Spanish in Manila only allowed one to go to Japan, and he was tortured and decapitated. Then later on, there were two more small groups that the man who was responsible for all of Japan in the, in the, who was had, who uh, like like Villano had been, this sec, there were two small groups of priests were sent to, to reconvert Fejeda. One group arrived in 1642, including one Japanese Christian. Fejeda served as their interpreter. All were given the water torture and its suspension, and all remained faithful until the end. The second group arrived in 1643. One year later, included four priests and five other Christian workers, including three Japanese. Inoue managed to get all of these to apostatize. These, this demoralized the Christians so much that many gave up the faith. And actually one of the top Japanese uh, top, top, uh, Jesuit leaders had said before that as long as the leaders, as long as the leaders don't give in, the people won't give in. And this really demoralized the people. But many others remained faithful. There is a list from 1658. You know, this was, of course, uh, what we read before was earlier, but even, even as far as, even as far later as 1658, concerning five areas of Kyushu, in which a total of 411 were executed and 78 died in prison. There were many others in various areas throughout Japan that secretly maintained their Christian identity. So this is the conclusion of this Edo period, which was left a huge scar in the church. And some Christians did survive until the Meiji period. But uh, Japan did, was it's just such a horrible, horrible time in Japanese history. But the Bible says, I mean, the Bible doesn't say, but we know from history that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And we believe that God is going to be doing an amazing work here in Japan. The Japanese people, even though this Goningumi has left a deep psychological impact on them, the younger generations more and more are getting weaker and weaker. Traditions are holding out less and less for them. Young people are amazingly open. Many other people are seeking the truth. And this is the day for Japan. Let's believe it and go forward in faith as we plant churches all over Japan in Jesus' name.